Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you need some good news today? If you answered yes, Daniel chapter 7 has it for you as God shows us what He has in store for His people. God has promised His people a kingdom, but not just any kingdom, an everlasting and eternal kingdom. If you are not yet one of God's people, today you can learn how to become one, and this glorious future can be yours as well. In fact, it would please God for you to receive His offer of this glorious inheritance. If you are already a child of God, today the Lord wants to encourage you. Here we are with the conclusion of this message. Keep your eye on the ball. So here we get this picture of a divine being, the Son of Man. Again, Jesus' favorite name for himself. So Jesus is out preaching, and he calls himself the Son of Man. And the religious leaders, it's like, you know, on the chalkboard, like, that's what it's doing to them every time he says that. Every time he says he's the Son of Man, they're like, did you hear what he's saying? We go, people in our age go, Jesus never said he was God in the Bible. The religious leaders would have said, the heck he didn't. He was saying it all the time. All the time he was saying he was. And so that would infuriate them that he would say that. And so he's coming to, it's his favorite name for himself, and he's coming to the divine ancient of days. Yet Jesus is, we're told here, one like the son of man. It's very interesting. He's like the Son of Man. So it's, he's like us, but he's like God. In essence, we call Jesus the God-man. He is the perfect man because he is God. Jesus is truly God and truly human. Now, the name Son of Man is so critical. Why? Because God put on humanity, he added humanity, God put on humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this was done for a lot of reasons. One, it was to be in obedience to the Father. Another one, it was to live a perfect life in our place, to die on the cross in our place, and to defeat, defeat death by rising from the dead. But when it comes to people that are in very, very desperate times, it was also to experience humanity. This month, my, my father will be gone 20 years. I had a great dad. I had a good relationship with my dad. Last night, my wife and I were watching a movie, and I just said, that's the way. And it was a dad was being really positive. A guy was being really positive, And I said, that's the way my dad used to talk to me. I realize that is not the experience of a lot of different people. But see, by all evidence, we don't see any mention of Joseph. We know he was a good man, a righteous man. The Bible says that. It doesn't say that of many people. So by all indication, it appears that Joseph was gone, was dead before Jesus began his ministry. So I will be saying to Jesus, I know you know what like, this feels like to have a good dad. I have no unfinished business with my dad. I just miss him. Plain and simple, that's it. 
and to say to Jesus, I know what this is like. Now, some of you may have a different approach and say to Jesus, I know you know what it's like to be persecuted by this world. I know you know what it's like to be put down by those you thought were your friends or to be you know, stabbed in the back by someone who was supposed to love you. But see, this is how we, we relate to the man, Christ Jesus. We relate to him on the God plane and we relate to him on the human plane. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was raised Roman Catholic and people used to say to me, well, what's the difference being a Protestant and, and, and being a, a Roman Catholic? And I said, well, I kind of felt like being a Catholic, there was, there was such an emphasis on Jesus just being a man. And I feel like being a Protestant, there's such an emphasis on Jesus being God. And, I, and when I read the Bible, though, I see the two coming together. Theologians call it hypostatic union, in complete perfection. So I can talk to Jesus as my God, but also as someone who, as the Bible says, was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief who as a man was tempted as always and we are and yet without sin. Do you see, without sin, do you see how those things work together? And this is the way we identify with Jesus. John 14, 9, Jesus said this, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In the person of Jesus of Nazareth, we see, that's why when you read the Gospels, it's so important to read them so carefully and methodically we see the heart of God. We see the love of God. We see the character of God. We see the power of God over sickness and sin and death. In Jesus, we see that God has time for people that most of this world doesn't have time for. All the people are running around. Come on, we're going to make you famous. Let's go, let's go. And he goes, now nah, I got to go to the next town and preach the good news. But what does he do on the way? He stops for children. He stops for lepers. He stops for the handicapped. He stops for the blind. He stops for prostitutes. He stops for tax collectors who, who were considered to be the worst of all sinners because they were Jews collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. He stops to heal the sick. He stops for people that the world had ignored. Do you ever feel invisible to the rest of the world? Jesus stopped for the invisible. Jesus, can you picture Jesus just walking into certain towns going, hey, you, come here. And people going like, me? You don't see me. I'm invisible. He's like, come on, invisible man. I see you. I see you. Jesus didn't have much time for the in crowd. The in crowd was the religious leaders. And when, we had, when he had time for them, it wasn't very pretty. He goes, you know, you think you're in, but you're actually out. And until you trust in me, you're going to stay out. But if you want to get in, you got to put your trust in me. And Jesus simply called people to follow God and to have a, per, a proper perspective on earth. And that's really what it's all about. Putting your trust in Jesus, following him, and having a proper perspective of, of the mission here we are on on earth. 
on the work that God has given us to do, but to have it all in proper perspective. The Bible tells us that Jesus taught with authority. It told us that he forgave sins. It told us that he preached the kingdom of God. See, at the first coming, Jesus came as a savior king on a cross. His throne was a cross. He came gentle and he came lowly. But the second time, he's going to come as a conquering judge. He is going to come as a powerful warrior king. The night before he was crucified, and actually in the middle of the night, Jesus was on trial with the religious leaders, and they put it right to him. They said, are you the son of God? Son means nature of. Are you you who you say you are? You being a mere man, make yourself out to be God. Are you who you say you are? Mark 14, 62, 64, we get Jesus' answer. He finally answers them. Jesus said, I am. That is the name of God. And you will see the son of man. They know exactly what he's talking about right now. And I don't think this is meek and mild, Jesus, I think this is beaten to a bloody pulp, Jesus, staring him right down and saying in all of his strength, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. What is he saying? I'm the guy, you know who I am. I am the guy Daniel said would come. You know full well who I am. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, what further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. They know full well who Jesus says he is. What do you think? And they all condemned him. He'd be deserving of death. And so Jesus will die on the cross and be raised from the dead. Imagine the surprise of those who hate Jesus, of those who judge Jesus incorrectly, when they see the God-man coming on the clouds with his army. Now, people for centuries have wondered how would that be possible? Now, there is, of course, the sense of the miraculous. But for the practical, they thought, well, that could never be. I guess when they, they thought the earth was flat, they thought it was easy. Well, I'll just look up and there he is. But what happened when they discovered when the earth was round? But you know now... People aren't much saying much about that. We have satellites. There's ways that we don't, even if you put the miraculous aside, Elon Musk is saying he's going to take the internet to the whole world within two years. People are, well, don't, there's no even really debate about that. Would we be able to see him coming? The Ancient of Days declares the rulers of the world are guilty. Verse 12, it says that they, they had their dominion taken away. And then we're told that it is given to Jesus. Now, Daniel's already learned that historically. In chapter 2, we were told that God gets rid of and sets up kings. Remember, we said we get the leaders we deserve. I hope some of you are saying that when you're watching television or when you're listening to the news, you're online, and you're like, yep, yep, we get the leaders we deserve. If you don't believe it, read the book of First and Second Kings. You'll see it's true. You'll see it's true. In chapter 4, we learn that God gives authority to whomever he wills. He takes it from one and he gives it to another. But what Daniel is showing us 
is a new day. When things are in fact different, why will this be a new day? Because all authority is given to Jesus. And verse 14 says, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And that is good news. Jesus Christ, the son of man, is given sovereign rule, the sovereign rule of God himself. Now, there's people who debate on this issue. Is this Jesus coming to God after he ascends into heaven or the second coming? Well, that's for Wednesday night. If I'm smart, I'll skip over it, but I'm not that bright. Why? You say, why aren't you going to talk about it today? Because today our focus is on what? The encouragement of the people of God. And that's what prophecy is for. Paul told the Thessalonians, comfort one another with these things. Don't scare one another with these things. Comfort one another with these things. Yes, in this world, there's pain. But there's no need to be panic. God's plan is progressing. And most of you know who've been here for any length of time. I have predicted his arrival. Right on time. <laughs> right on time. You can tell people. You say, my pastor, he made a prediction. Right on time. The Son of Man will come. Despite the fact that God's people had sinned that they forgot God, that they went after other gods. They disobeyed God. God warned them for over a hundred years. You know what he had to do to get their attention? He actually had to let Nebuchadnezzar come to Jerusalem and spend about 20 years besieging the city and taking it over and taking people down to Babylon. That's what it took to get their attention. What is it going to take for God to get the attention of his people in these days? And yet, yet, God comes for his people. Jesus lived in a time when, when Judaism had gone completely sideways. It had become all about the temple and the sacrifices and, and religiosity. And Jesus yet still comes and dies for the sins of his people to offer them the greatest opportunity, the forgiveness of sins and eternity. How great is that opportunity? Jump down with me, chapter 7 here in Daniel to verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever even forever and ever. That is good news. Jump down to verse 22. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. That is good news. By the way, in the last service, they were applauding because a young girl started the applause. 
Verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom under the whole uh, whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve or worship him and obey him. That is good news in the midst of the prophetic. Let's fast forward over 500 years to the Last Supper, Luke 22, verse 29 and 30. Jesus says, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. They were constantly annoying Jesus. But that's not the way he sees them. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That is good news. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul is writing after Jesus has ascended into heaven. And he is writing to the most problematic of all of the churches. The Corinthian church is a big, big problem to him. And he says this, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, that's plural. See, at the beginning of the letter, he says, he writes to the saints at Corinth, and then he just spends the whole rest of the book telling about all the problems they have. Why are they saints? We'll get to that in a second. But he, he's writing to them that you're going to judge the world. And he says, and if this world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? What is he saying? You people, Corinthian people, you're going to be part of the people that are the saints that are going to judge the world. And you got these little petty problems in the church and you can't figure them out. Get it together. Stop fighting with one another. This is just little stuff. God has great stuff for you. People fight about it's like when your kids are little, it's like, just grow up, would you please? Verse three, do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? So verse 18, saints of the most high. Verse 22, saints of the most high. Verse 27, saints of the most high. Okay, and Luke, he says, I shall bestow upon you a kingdom. First Corinthians, saints will judge the world. Now you may say, I ain't no saint. That's bad English. Some of you might say, I'm not a saint. Actually, you may be. Again, the Corinthian church was the problem child. At the beginning of the letter, they're called saints. According to the word of God. Now, let me just stop there for one second and let's just recap what Christianity is. Christianity is a faith prophesied in the Old Testament that God himself would become a man. He arrived in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. We know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He did so many miracles. The Gospels tells us the, all the books couldn't even contain all the miracles that he did. Did so many miracles. Not a problem. 
Blind guy, you see. Deaf guy, you hear. Dead guy, get up. Snapping his fingers, poofing everybody that needs to be healed. Really. Except for places that had no faith. He walked away from them. He goes, well, when you got faith, call me, I'll come back. They crucify him on a cross. He rises from the dead. He's the founder of our faith. He has these guys who walk around with him called the apostles. They go around. They're doing miracles. Not as many as Jesus, but they're doing miracles. They're preaching the gospel. They flip the Roman Empire. They flipped it. Right side up. And then a bunch of guys come along hundreds of years later and say, oh, somebody's only a saint if we say he is. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe Jesus? Or a bunch of power-hungry guys who come along hundreds of years later and say, we determine who's saints. God doesn't. I don't know about you. My money's on Jesus. My money's on the apostles. And so you say, well, well, how do I know that I could be a saint? Saints in the Bible is another name for the people of God. Saints is another name for people who have a relationship with God through faith and trust in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they look forward to the Messiah. In New Testament times or the age of church age, the age of grace, which we live in now, we look back in the rearview mirror. Who are our saints? Saints are people that are set apart by God. They are his holy ones. They are his children. They are people, saints are people who have turned to God, turned from their sin to God, put their trust in Jesus. They trust in the cross of Christ, which we call the work of Christ for their forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Now listen carefully and let me, if you've trusted in Jesus, let me explain to you why you are a saint. When Jesus died on the cross, God, as far as the books are concerned, you know the, the ledger of heaven is concerned. The books were opened, it said earlier, right? God takes your sin from you and puts it on Jesus Christ. And he takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he clothes you with it. And so Jesus dies on the cross as if he had lived your life. And God looks at you as if you had lived Jesus' life. And that's why he considers you a saint. So you know what those guys did hundreds of years later? In addition to lying, they lowered the bar. They lowered the bar on what a saint is. God says, in my eyes, my children are perfect in my eyes. I will not disown them. I will never leave them. I will never forsake them. And once again, that is good news. Romans 8, 39, if you don't believe it, the apostle Paul says, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Pain and sorrow and trouble is nothing new for God's people. It is nothing new for his saints. It is nothing new for those who put their trust in Jesus. 
But, but, it is only temporary. Followers of Jesus, those who put their trust in him, have a wonderful future and a glorious inheritance. Loved ones, please, I beg of you, when it feels like we're losing, keep that in front of you. Because it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says today, at the end, we win. We win. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the big picture. Keep your eye on the everlasting kingdom of heaven promised to all who put their trust in Jesus. For those people, for us, there are great things ahead and it's already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it comes with a guarantee because he rose from the dead. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.